0: Welcome to the Biopractica Professional Podcast Series. Biopractica is an Australian-owned, practitioner-only brand focusing on nutritional and herbal products proven to play a role in preventative medicine. Biopractica is committed to supporting healthcare professionals in developing their knowledge and skills so they can confidently and effectively tackle the major health challenges facing their patients today. To support this commitment, the Learning Hub was established by Biopractica to offer practitioners a collection of educational resources so they can stay informed on the latest in health science research welcome everyone and thank you for tuning in to our podcast today my name is roberta barbiolini and i'm the technical manager here at biopractica i'm very excited today to be joined by lotta johansen from stockholm in sweden now for those of you who maybe have not met lotta she's a microbiologist with a special interest in the human microbiome She has more than 35 years of experience in the field of probiotics, and she has a special research focus on the lactobacillus ruteri species of probiotic. Lotta has a particular passion for communicating the science of probiotics and helping people really appreciate, cherish, and nurture their microbiome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lotta. We really appreciate your time.
1: Good morning, Roberta. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's always nice to have a chat with you in the morning.
0: Fantastic. Maybe to start with, Lotta, can I ask how you first became interested in the field of probiotics and the human microbiome?
1: You know, as as you as you said, I, was, I studied microbiology, and I went to the university in nineteen eighties, and that's when we first started to realize the enormous impact of commensal and beneficial bacteria. Until then, all focus had been on the pathogens, the negative ones, the ones that were making us sick. But in the 80s, we started to realize how important the good ones are. And that's when I started to become more interested in studying the good ones versus the bad ones, the pathogens. And my first employment when I left university was at a Swedish dairy. And I was project leader for development of the very, very first probiotic yogurt in Sweden. So I have really been working with probiotics since before the world was even invented. But for the last 24 years, I've been working with BioGaia, as you said. And uh, it's a, BioGaia is a Swedish company We sell our probiotic bacteria all over the world in more than 100 countries now. And uh, my job here is to educate and train people about beneficial bacteria so that's what I've been doing since I went to university.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic and I mean I I love that phrase that you use Lotta that you've been studying probiotics before the word probiotics even existed I think that's very admirable (laughs) and actually maybe given your experience in the field of probiotics and the human microbiome Lotta could I maybe just ask you a question that I often hear from practitioners here in Australia So, you know, we know that microbes in the gastrointestinal tract often form biofilms. But is this a good thing or a bad thing?
1: That's a very interesting question. I also got it quite a few times when I was traveling Australia together with you and your colleagues giving lectures. And the fact is that the word biofilm is neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. A lot of different bacteria produces biofilms in our gut. And the biofilm helps protect the bacteria against the rather harsh environment in our gut. It also helps the bacteria bind to our mucus and it protects the bacteria against drugs that we might take. And this means that for a pathogenic bacteria that produces biofilms that is a problem. Biofilm produced by pathogens is a problem. Makes it more difficult for our bodies to get rid of the bacteria or for drugs to work. But when a beneficial bacteria, a probiotic bacteria, like L. Rotary DSM-7938, for example, that they produce exopolysaccharides that creates biofilms, then biofilm is a good thing. So biofilms protect the bacteria, whether it's good or bad, and if it is a good bacteria, a probiotic bacteria, you really want it to produce biofilms, because then it protects themselves and maybe some friends around them. So it's a neutral word
0: <laughs> on its right. That's a really good explanation. It's almost like, you know, if you describe something as a community, the word community is neutral. The community can be with good people in the community or, you know, bad people in the community. It's the same sort of concept with the biofilm.
1: Exactly. It's just a a neutral word, yeah.
0: That's excellent. Thank you for clarifying, Lotta. And I know that doesn't directly relate to our discussion today, but I just thought it was a good opportunity to ask you this question that we hear, like you say, so often from our practitioners here in Australia. Yeah. Now, for the rest of our discussion today, I'd really like to explore the relationship we have with our microbiota and how this changes as we age. Could you maybe just give us a bit of an overview of what changes happen to the human microbiome as we get older?
1: Well, if, if we start from the beginning, we are born, if not sterile, so at least with a very, very weak microbiota. And our first microorganisms are, in best case, if we are vaginally born and uh, breastfed, uh, good bacteria from our mother. Bifidobacteria are dominating our microbiome during the first weeks, and especially if we are vaginally born and breastfed. But at this time, our immune system is not very well developed at all. The bacteria are beginning to establish, but the immune system is not educated. And then during the first three years, our microbiota is under construction and it varies quite a good quite a bit. But at the age of three, maybe four, we, we say that it's fully developed. And then it remains the same, very much the same until we get older. And when I say older, I mean sixty-five. We're not there yet, Roberta. <laughs> so and when we get past 65 then the microbiota becomes weaker again and less beneficial the composition so both the composition of our microbiota and the metabolic function of our gut bacteria changes over life rather stable between 464 but early in life and late in life it may not be as strong and helpful to us as we would like
0: and I mean, my understanding, Lotta, is that this, this idea of, you know, how our microbiome changes when we get, as you say, over the age of 65, it's still quite a new area of research really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, I mean, I guess based on what we know to date, based on the available evidence, are there certain types of microbial species or genera that become more prevalent or less prevalent once we get to that age of, say, 65?
1: Mm-hmm. That seems to be the case. Um, I, I read a very nice overview by Kumar et al. from 2016. And he concluded, or they concluded, that when we get older, the level of bifidobacteria decreases. For example, uh, firmicutes. Mm-hmm. I really don't know how to pronounce that in English. <laughs> but it's uh, firmicutes, uh, another type of bacteria, goes down. Mm-hmm. while Bacteriodetes increases, another. So there are definitely changes. Also, fecalibacterium and different types of Lactobacillus species often goes down when we get older. And his overview summarizes what has been seen in many different studies. So it's really a good, good read if you want to. So, yes, after having been very stable for many years, you know that they, can, they sometimes say that our microbes, when we are adults, is as specific that it, it could be used as a fingerprint. Mm. It can differentiate you from anyone else with your microbiota. But, so stable for many, many years, but when we get older, yeah, we lose some of the beneficial guys. And um, yeah, that's, that's a problem.
0: So, I mean, effectively, just to recap some of those points you made, because there are some really interesting key things, I think. So as people get older, you actually see a decrease in Firmicutes, a decrease in Bifidobacteria, a decrease in Lactobacillus, and then possibly also an increase in the Bacterioides type of uh, microbes.
1: Exactly. Thank you for (laughs) pronouncing that beautifully.
0: (laughs) That's right. No, I think yours were very, very comprehensible. And I think what we might do as well, Lotta, when we publish this podcast is we'll put a link to that Kumar paper that you talked about, because I think that's a really good overview, as you say, of this particular topic for people to read. Yeah. And can I ask then, if, if we look now more at just quantity, does, does the quantity of intestinal microbiota change as we age?
1: Maybe, maybe the quantity too, but most obvious, the diversity. On a general level, our microbiota becomes less diverse as we get older. And that is a problem. You You're, want greater diversity.
0: So, well, maybe, you know, we can talk about that in a little bit more detail because you've mentioned that the shift in the, 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 the species or the genera that we get and plus this decreased diversity may have some health consequences. What are some of the consequences that we know about that is linked to this shift in the microbiome? You
1: know, it, it has been shown on a very general level that greater diversity is better than not. It, it's better to have, I used to take the example, if you, if you have 40,000 different species, it's better than having 40. It's not like 43 species is better than 42 species. That's too, but, but in a larger picture, the greater diversity is related to better health. And uh, as we age, if diversity goes down, I want to take the um, um, example. You, you know, I used to talk about that our, pro- our bodies are protected, uh, that we have three safeguards. And this, our three safeguards, our bodies' three safeguards are our microbiota, our skin, or on the inside, our epithelial lining, And then also our third safeguard, our immune system.
0: Mm.
1: And they are all depending on each other. And the microbiota, our first safeguard, when they get weaker, that also results in that our second and and third safeguard suffers. Their performance becomes less adequate because the microbiota, our first safeguard, are helping, educating, supporting our second and third. So, yeah, and one reason, one result of this is that there is a higher risk of getting different kinds of infections, for example, because our safeguards are harmed.
0: That's really interesting. And I mean, you know, I love the point that you made there a lot of that you know diversity in terms of the microbiota is, is critical it reminds me almost like when even if you're just looking at your diet you know diversity in your diet is good if you're looking at your your lifestyle you know the more diversity mm-hmm. you have in your exercise and lifestyle routine the better it is so it's almost like just as human beings we do better with a bit more diversity in every sense
1: yes i think you're right
0: <laughs> yeah And then, you know, I I really love the way you framed up the fact that we have these three safeguards, that our microbiota, our skin and our epithelial linings, and then our immune system are really there to protect us and to help keep us safe against the challenges that the outside world might put on us. So as people age then, if, if the microbiota becomes less diverse and there's perhaps less safeguards that means that we could be more vulnerable to what's in the environment around us. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, because our immune system is like our last defence and the immune system are working less efficient if the microbiota is out of balance, if we suffer from what we call dysbiosis. Dysbiosis is an unbalanced microbiota. Hmm. That could be lack of diversity, but it could also be the wrong composition. Dysbiosis, a good word in the probiotic well, field.
0: Definitely. So, I mean, maybe let's explore this topic of immune system changes as people age. What kind of changes do you typically see in patients as they get over 65 from an immunity perspective?
1: Well, uh, <laughs> there is a, a word for what's happening with our immune system when we get older and it's really not a word that you want to use if English is not your first language, (laughs) but I'm going to try, immunosenescence.
0: Ah, perfect. You've got exactly right, (laughs) Lotta.
1: I have been practicing with Google Translate. You know, there's a little speaker down in the corner where you can press and then you get the, the pronunciation. But that's a gradual deterioration of our immune system that happens when we get older. So our immune system is not performing at its best any longer. And to some extent, this depends on the less optimal microbiota composition. Uh, and this results in, for example, that we are more susceptible to infections. But there are other consequences. Uh, you know, infection and inflammation, mm. they are both problems the different things but they're both problems and one reason for development of so-called inflammaging mm. is that our bodies react to the changed microbiota with an inflammatory response and an inflammatory response in case in in its turn There is a risk of developing numerous problems and diseases like just IBS, cardiovascular disease, diverticulitis, chronic kidney disease, diabetes, cancer, depression, dementia. I could just go on. Sarcopenia was another word that I had to Google. uh, Sarcopenia. Uh, The muscles degrade. It becomes Mm -hmm. weaker. So all these things can be a result of inflamm aging.
0: And I guess as you say that inflammation may be connected in some ways also to the the, the loss of microbial diversity and the changes in the microbiome predisposing that patient to more inflammation.
1: Correct and it is unfortunately a a catch-22 because many of the problems that come with inflammation results in less beneficial composition of the microbiota so it's like a negative spiral, downward spiral, that you don't really, you don't want to enter it. You would rather prevent it from happening in the first place. So leaky gut, dysbiosis, constipation, or chronic inflammation, in, in turn, results in dysbiosis. And dysbiosis, re- so, hmm. Uh, and... IBS, diverticulitis, osteoporosis, gingivitis, there are lots of inflammatory conditions that are related to this situation.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, the the fact that this interrelationship between inflammation and, you know, an imbalance of the microbiome, I think, is a really important point. Because, as you say, people can get into this downward spiral where the more digestive issues, the more inflammation they have, the worse the microbial balance and the whole thing becomes self-perpetuating. Exactly. So I mean, you know, in that sense, it it really highlights for me that if I'm sitting in a, in a clinical setting and I've got a patient in front of me who is older, then you know, really supporting their gastrointestinal tract, optimizing the balance of the microbiota for that patient becomes really critical. Yes. Yeah.
1: I agree. Mm.
0: Well, maybe, Lotta, can I ask then, are there any specific metabolic or cardiovascular consequences that are associated with age-related changes to the microbiome?
1: Yes, as, as, as we discussed just before, uh, the inflammation and the change in the microbiota is also affecting cardiovascular uh, conditions. That's, that is uh, fairly well shown and established. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that makes perfect sense that obviously if a pac- patient has inflammation, it's going to affect every part of the body, you know, whether it's the gastrointestinal mm-hmm. tract or like you say, the cardiovascular system. Yes. And I guess in some ways, you know, the other area that I know a lot of my older patients are always very concerned about is um, cognitive function, memory, and I, I guess that inflammation could also affect that the brain function as well as people age. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, but this is a very new area of interest. Very little studies has been done. But there are studies indicating that this could be the case. There are correlations. There are, they are related. But n- more studies are needed before we can really say anything uh, about those particular like conditions but I would like to mention another common consequence of dysbiotic microbiota and that is malnutrition mm. and that's a, a common problem among elderly people it might sound like not not something that's happening in a um, rich country like Australia or Sweden but in elderly people malnutrition is a, a true problem.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. You've raised a couple of points, Lotta, that are probably worth reiterating because, as you say, when you're dealing with a, an elderly population, perhaps people that are already a little bit frail, the issues of sarcopenia, the issues of malnutrition, they can be really real problems for these aging yeah. patients. Yes. And can I ask as well, just whilst we're talking about this idea of sarcopenia, of malnutrition, I've also seen some research on the link between the gut microbiota and bone health. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Bone health is also the, the, oh, when the calcium is extracted from the bones. I don't, hmm. I don't find the word for it. Um,
0: it's sort of osteo. Uh, um, osteoclastic Osteop- activity, breakdown of the bones that you see when people get brain- osteoporosis,
1: osteopenia, osteoporosis—the breakdown of our bones. Our bones becomes more fragile. That has been connected, shown to be connected with our microbiota. Uh, Interesting.
0: Distorted. And you know, given that those conditions, at least here in Australia, they're much more common in elderly patients. Again, it just highlights to me the importance of looking at the gut microbiome and supporting it if a patient has these kind of symptoms and they also have an imbalanced gut flora.
1: Yeah. as a, I think as a prevention, that should really be a preventive me- measure. You, there is one probiotic that uh, L-Roy Dry Strain, L-Roy Dry DSM, ATCC PDA 6475, L-Roy Dry ATCC PDA 6475 that has been shown to um, put brakes on the breakdown of the bones to to slow down the um, breakdown of the bones uh, so have an effect on osteopenia
0: that's fascinating and can i just ask i mean do you think this this effect of this lactobacillus Ruteri, atcc pta 6475 the fact that it can put the brakes on this breakdown of bones is that related in any way to its anti-inflammatory benefits?
1: Absolutely. Um, it's a strong anti-inflammatory strain. It has a strong anti-inflammatory effect. That is very well shown also in animal models or, and, and in mode of action studies. But it has also been shown now in living, living, ladies, living older ladies in Sweden to have a, a, a positive effect on osteopenia.
0: It's just really interesting to me, Lotta, because I'm seeing this repeated connection between the gut microbiota and inflammation. And as we age, this interrelationship becomes more and more important. Yes, exactly. Well, so maybe just sort of looking at a slightly different aspect of this discussion. You know, one thing that we see quite commonly here in Australia is that many older patients are often taking multiple medications. You know, we call it polypharmacy. And it it can obviously affect the body in many different ways. And I'm wondering, you know, can it also affect the microbiota?
1: Absolutely. Yes, that's definitely the case. Of course, any drug that are aimed at killing pathogens or cells like antibiotics or chemotherapy, they're also harming our protective microbiota and our own body cells for that matter. So polypharma is definitely cause part of the problem when you get get older and also could be a reason for the malnutrition situation.
0: Right, so polypharmacy is also, again, part of the problem. It could be worsening that sort of dysbiosis, the loss of gut diversity. So apart from the obvious ones like antibiotics, are there any medications that you know of, Lotta, that we definitely know can affect the gut microbiome?
1: Yeah, all drugs that affect motility, will affect the microbiota. So opioids, for example, that slows down the movement of the GI tract, the peristaltics are slowed down, that will change the microbiota composition, often in a very negative way. But also some drugs that accelerate the motility, may result in that food is not properly broken down. The food we eat is not, the nutrients we want to absorb is not properly absorbed because the movement forward is too fast through the GI tract. And there are also certain drugs that affect appetite um, and that could of course re- result in malnutrition on its own or that you don't eat enough of these more maybe more difficult food like vegetables and fruits that you need to keep your microbiota intact so yes definitely
0: Great. And I mean, I think that's a really good list of, of medications for practitioners just to be aware of that if your patient are on one or more of those medications, you know, pay extra attention, like you say, to the gastrointestinal microbiome. Yeah. So I guess a lot of, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about what can change as we age, what the consequences of these changes could be. So how can we optimize the microbiota in aging patients, you know, how can we counteract the effect of these medications? How how do we support their microbiome as our patients get older?
1: Well, since you are asking me, (laughs) from, (laughs) from my opinion, of course, the best way to counteract the negative side effects of many of these drugs and the situation of getting old is eating probiotics. Of course, a balanced diet is good and important, but in this situation, I think you need more. You need to replace what is being damaged. So eat probiotics, Roberta. <laughs> Many l strains are really, really good and have really good clinical data to support their effect in children, adults, but also in elderly. So... Uh, of course, L. DSM seventy nine three eight that has a strong anti pathogenic effect. So it, it keeps the it's positive for the for the bifidobacteria in your gut. It increases other lactobacilli, but also keeping um, certain pathogens under control. So Enroytodism 79 rate is a good candidate but also L. easy, PDA 6475 I think that's a really important probiotic when you get older because of its anti-inflammatory capacity But uh, of course adding uh, any Bifidobacteria is a good idea and if you have problems getting enough fiber Maybe adding a, a prebiotic.
0: Yeah,
1: that's one, one alternative. A prebiotic, you know, that's large molecules, food for bacteria, things that you can't digest, but that your gut bacteria are eating. And there are many different types: fructo oligosaccharides, galacto oligosaccharides. They are often called FOS or GOS, mm-hmm. inulin or lactose. So there are many alternatives. So, and of course, you you may give your probiotic a kickstart if you add uh, some prebiotics or if you uh, have problems eating that kind of food
0: no that's great and i think you know the fact that we've got those two lactobacillus ruteri strains that we can utilize in our aging patients is great like you said the lactobacillus ruteri dsm 17938 and then the lactobacillus ritorate, ATCC, PTA, 6475. So, Lotta, what probiotic strains can patients take to actually counteract some of the age-related changes that we've been discussing?
1: Well, as I mentioned, l roytodsm nine three eight is a very well-studied probiotic. It's very many mode-of-action studies on animal models, et cetera. But in clinical studies has also been shown to reduce, for example, antibiotic-associated side effects, not only so-called ADD, antibiotic-associated diarrhea, but also constipation, nausea, abdominal pain, and other problems related to the use of antibiotics. It's not all patients that get diarrhea from the the antibiotic. There are other problems as well. And a Rotary DSM-7938 has been shown to counteract all of these, really, all different types of side effects. Also, the ATCCPDA 6475 strain has been shown to reduce antibiotic-associated side effects in uh, patients that need to go on H. pylori eradication. And as I mentioned before, anti-inflammatory effect of ATCCPDA 6475 and clinical studies showing effect on osteopenia. So, okay. I'm talking about they Those are my specialty, my favorites in the world. But there are other well-studied probiotics out there. I have to admit. And if you want to try something else or add something else, Bifidobacterium animalis BB12 is a well-studied probiotic. L. Rhamnosus GG is another one. Both of them have shown positive effect on immune immune system. So there are others to try as well. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. And I mean maybe to, to complement this discussion Lotta, of you know what probiotic strains could be used in an aging patient, are there specific dietary or lifestyle advice that, that you would give to an older patient to support their gut microbial health?
1: Yeah, so make sure you get your daily dose of fresh fruits and vegetables and add a clinically well-studied probiotic. That's step one. And in combination with fresh air and moderate exercise, this could actually result in a longer and healthier life for the person. And on a less personal level, since the proportion of elderly in our society is increasing now, uh, maintaining a beneficial microbiota composition in the elderly population may help prevent or delay age associated diseases that could even prove to be beneficial from a social economic perspective. So probiotics might even contribute to reduce costs for healthcare in an ageing population. Wouldn't that be fantastic?
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, you raise a really important point that we are living, you know, particularly in the Western industrialised world, we are living with an ageing population. So I think a lot of what we've been discussing is incredibly important to, to, to bear in mind. Absolutely. And can I ask, Lotta, would you have any last comments or thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners regarding the changes that we see in the human microbiome as as we age?
1: Maybe. We, We have been quite far down in our system, Roberta. We have been in the small intestine and the large intestine, but if we move further up, you know, the mouth is also part of our GI tract. And the oral cavity, is often also causing problem in elderly people, for elderly people. Gingivitis, periodontitis, and uh, halitosis, problems with candida. Mm, And and if you, for example, get a candida infection in in the mouth, then malnutrition is a given problem because you can't eat because it hurts so much. So uh, the oral cavity should not be forgotten in this uh, concept or in this situation. And then again, I want to mention that there are adverse rice strains that have shown very strong positive effect on gingivitis and periodontitis, also competing with candida. So probiotics for the oral cavity is also something that I think elderly people would benefit a lot from.
0: I think that's a really important point. And to be honest, you know, even for myself, it's not something that I was really conscious of until very recently is this idea that our our gastrointestinal tract starts in the mouth. So our, <laughs> our, our microbiome, like our, our gut microbiome starts, as you say, in that oral cavity. So I think if you're looking at a patient's, you know, gut microbiome, like you said, you've got to look at it from top to bottom. The whole thing has to be healthy and balanced.
1: Yes. And, um, From top to bottom, yes.
0: (laughs) Look, Lotta, that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. I think we covered a lot of really interesting points, and and I really want to thank you for sharing all that knowledge with with us.
1: Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Roberta. I just so long for when I can start travel again and come visit you.
0: Oh, we're absolutely mm -hmm. longing for that as well. And I also just wanted to say thank you to all of those of you who tuned into our podcast today. We really hope you found our discussion interesting and useful. Please tune in next week to hear another great professional podcast episode from us here at Biopractica. To continue the conversation or find out more about our products and educational resources, please head to biopractica.com.au. Biopractica, empowering healthcare professionals.